Everybody glad you're here, those joining us online. We love you guys. Can't wait to have you in the house. And man, 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 doesn't matter if you're in the house or watching online, the difference that you're awake, willing to make in other people's lives, um, what we're doing to provide and protect the homeless before Christmas, uh, Christmas before winter hits with a vision. <laughs> I better stop preaching right now. Before yeah, winter hits with a vengeance, not a vision. Um, and every week, uh, this week, I, I just got so thrilled, I'd walk by the entrance to our chapel and see those grocery carts filled um, with non-perishable food goods. My seven-year-old grandson met his goal. He collected 100 non-perishable food items for our church to give away to the hungry in our area every Wednesday. Um, I do want to apologize to you guys kind of up in these sections. I didn't get a chance to greet you, give you a handshake or a hug personally. I, I love you. I'll try to start with you guys uh, next weekend. Hey, I went to the eye doctor this week, and the verdict is I continue to be able to drive a vehicle during the day. Not at night, but during the day. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful. My wife is thankful. She doesn't want to chauffeur me around. And I'm thankful because I am not a good uh, passenger in a car. Um, but I'm grateful for your prayers in that regard. I still can't recognize faces very well. So I appreciate your patience and your understanding, though it's not going to ever get any better. I can see cars pretty good, but I'd still, if I were you, stay off the sidewalks. Um, um, you know, it's not just the homeless. It's not just hungry people. First weekend in December, we will collect hats coats and gloves for children in our immediate area who have um, no winter gear. And I have a young gentleman here from Haiti uh, today with his son, just passionate about helping uh, Haiti and praying for Haiti. And we have an orphanage there. Two of my children are adopted uh, from Haiti and we'll be serving the little boys in that orphanage as well uh, through the Christmas season. So I thank God for you. In fact, I'd like to just thank God for you right now. If you'd bow with me, please. Father, um, I am so honored and humbled to serve this church and to have served her for so many years. I thank you for these people. Lord, help us never to take for granted this special season that you are leading us through. I'm not talking about Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about you, God. And you are doing a work right now in this church. You are changing lives. You are turning people around. You are making a difference in homes and families and marriages and parenting. And we thank you. I thank you for this church, Lord. She is your body. She is your bride. And we are trying to get her rightly adored for your coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're here for the first time, man, we are delighted uh, that God has brought you. I believe that God maneuvered in every life in this room, that he orchestrated, that he arranged. He wanted you to be here today because we're launching a new teaching series called Jesus Changes Everything. Now, that's a big promise, and I hope that by the end of my talk and the end of this month, as weekend after weekend, uh, my son Jake and I bring you these um, words from the Lord that you just stumble out of here absolutely convinced, oh my gosh, my Jesus changes everything to the good, to the better. He takes the ugly stuff and makes it beautiful. He forgives sins. He cleanses us of guilt and shame. Jesus changes everything. Now the deal with us, when we want to experience um, 
profound change in our lives, we tend to work on the outside stuff. Um, maybe we want to lose weight. Or we want to try to get in better shape physically. Um, or we want to stop a bad habit. Or we want to start some good habits. Or we get a new hairstyle. Or we buy some new clothes. Or a new car, a new house. And as good as all that stuff might be, it's outside stuff. It's just surface stuff. It really makes no profound change in our lives. That's why Jesus, when he wants to do his transforming work, his focus is to bring his best version, not your mama's best version of you, not your boyfriend's best version of you, not your teacher, your coach, or your employer's best version of you, but God's best version of your life. That's what Jesus is after. And to do that, he doesn't mess with your hair or your clothes or your car. At the deepest part of who you are, he instills a real passion for life and a real purpose in life. And, and I emphasize the word real because today most people settle for fake passion and bogus purpose. And if whatever you are passionate about right now if it is not giving you fresh vitality every day, if it is not your vigor, your stamina, your surging joy and hope, you've settled for a fake passion. And if you chase after a false purpose, maybe, maybe your parents had a purpose for your life or you've had dreams for your life. I, I, I tell you, it's the real purpose of your life is what Jesus longs to burn in your heart and bring out of you with, you know, just unspeakable joy, unlimited love, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness. Um, psychologists have, have studied us, you and I, and all kinds of people. They've studied people who are trying to live with a fake purpose or a pseudo-passion. And they, they call people without passion or purpose, they call them the living Dead, D-E-A-D. -E and those letters are the four attributes of someone who doesn't have a purpose or a passion. And so this is so important. I thought we'd call time out and just do a little self-diagnosis and see how we're doing if we have any of these symptoms. Uh, the first is a, a sense of being just dull or numb in life. You're bored. My kids... When they would te were teenagers, they would come up to me and say, Dad, I am so bored. I'd say, you're not bored. You're boring. <laughs> so parents, that's free. Use that one. But, you know, you know, I'd say to my kids, get a passion. Get a passion for Jesus. Get a purpose. Live a purpose. When you have passion and purpose and it comes from Jesus, you'll never be bored and you'll never be boring. You'll always have something that energizes and excites your life and others through you. But if you allow yourself to be dull and numb for a long enough period of time, you start to feel empty. Now, that's a dangerous place for most people because our tendency is to want to fill that hole in our heart, that emptiness, with things that are bad for us, like maybe alcohol or pornography. 
Or, or we think even good things like if I could just get the right relationship and stick that in my heart or get married or, or have children. We keep ch- chasing after the next best thing only to find out that nothing, nothing, nothing fills that emptiness in us. The only hope of that, of being filled uh, with exciting life is to have Jesus fill that emptiness. But but Jesus didn't make it on the list of the psychologists. The third thing they say is that you feel empty long enough, you start to get anxious. It's like your life is out of control. And we've all felt that one in five Americans right now suffer from anxiety. And I've had anxiety and you've probably had anxiety. And it's just a symptom. It's a flare. It's a red flag that we need to return to the passion of Jesus, to the purpose of Jesus in our lives. But if we allow the anxiety to go on, it dips into the pit of despair. Life goes dark. We get depressed. Now, the good news is that our Jesus, he is in the healing business. He will heal our depression. He will heal our anxiety. He, with himself, he will fill up the emptiness. He is the source of an adventurous life. Now, I want to tell you something. I want to clarify what I'm about to say. I am a big believer in the big benefits of therapeutic counseling. I think everybody that's breathing needs counseling. I'm also a big believer in therapeutic medication to help us with our mental and emotional struggle. I believe in medication. I'd like some right now. (laughs) I'm just teasing you. But, but only Jesus has the power to knock all the D-E-A-D, all the dead stuff out of us. I mean, you gotta ask yourself, Are you one of the walking dead? I mean, you're breathing. Blood is beating hot in your veins. But are you trying to do life without passion, real passion, the passion of Jesus? Are you trying to do life without real purpose, the purpose of Jesus? Jesus has this uh, incredible, mighty one-two punch to knock the dead stuff out of us. His one-two punch, look at it, Jesus' mighty one-two punch is ministry and mission. Now, I know those are kind of churchy words. Hang with me. In fact, say them after me. I'll say it. You say it after me. Ministry. Mission. Mission. Yeah, M&M. Don't forget this. And to help you remember, mission and ministry, M&M. I've got M&Ms to give away, okay? Now, I'm about to make some people in the room, probably mostly female, really, really happy, and others angry because you're not getting any. But here's the deal. I went to Walmart trying to buy leftover Halloween candy, and they were, it was too expensive. So I found these dollar apiece candy canes. I hope they're not leftover from last December, but because you girls sit down front, you're closest. Yeah, you get M&Ms. I haven't licked any of them. I love you, Danny. I love you, Maddie. Okay, so the rest of you that are mad at me, get over it. No, I want you to remember, just want to have a little fun for a moment so that you remember ministry and mission. Because if Jesus has any hope of changing everything in your life from the inside out, it's through ministry and mission. Uh, Let me explain. Ministry 
is serving others. See, we get bored when we're all about ourselves. We feel we are empty wells when we're all about ourselves. It's in serving others that we get the real passion of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said, hey, I didn't come to this planet to be served, though he was the king of kings. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I think it is the greatest medication for anxiety ever is serving other people. When I get anxious, I know that's what I got to do. I got to find somebody to serve. The source of real passion for your life is in your commitment to serve others, to, to feed the hungry, to help the homeless, to, 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 to be a healing touch on the lives of hurting children just to give kind words and support and encouragement and hugs and handshakes to people who need to be lifted up. Ministry is serving other people and that's a source of real passion. Now mission, mission is the purpose of Jesus for your life and it is pointing other people to Jesus. Now I'm a Christ follower and this is church and I just cannot suggest that there's any other possible purpose for anyone's life. The purpose of ex for experiencing the superabundant life of Jesus is in pointing people to him. Now, this is how Jesus lived, how he did life. It's how he calls us to do life. And just to explain how we can make it happen in our lives, I'm going to take you into a Jesus story. Now, I don't have time for all the details. It's in John 4. But if you want to go deeper, grab one of our study guides on the way out. And every day, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper in the text. But um, when Jesus does a transformative change from the inside out in our lives, he always starts, bam, with a head-on collision. His heart colliding with your heart. And he always takes the first step. He always reaches out to you. He always speaks, waiting for you to listen, waiting for you to respond, waiting for you to react back to his touch, his word, his love. And so... All you got to know right now about this story is that in order for Jesus, bam, to create this heart-to-heart -heart collision with a hurting woman, he is up and out of his house for a six-hour hike. He's up and out of his house before the sun comes up. It's not even completely light outside. And I've walked the terrain that he was going to go over in this hike. It's treacherous. It is challenging. It's hilly. It's rocky. It's rough. Following Jesus out of the house are his 12 closest friends, the disciples. And these young guys, you know, they're probably wiping sleep out of their eyes and gra grabbing a bagel as they go out. And, you know, initially as the hike begins, they think Je this is how Jesus does teaching. They think he's just taking them on another hard hike. But then Jesus goes into enemy territory. He steps into Samaritan soil. And these young Jewish men, they start to get creeped out. 
never, in any other circumstance, there's no way these guys would ever step foot on Samaritan soil. You see, Jewish people believe Samaritan people to be an inferior race. They were the wrong race. They're different than us. They're wrong. They practice the way wrong religion. And so the guys, their heads are on a swivel. Somebody's going to jump out behind a rock and grab us and beat us or steal from us or what? But Jesus just keeps on. He is making a beeline to someplace I've never been. It's an ancient well. It's in the West Bank. Oh. And uh, it's uh, still there. Uh, it's not a safe place for an American to go. And so in all of our trips to Israel, we've never been able to go there, but... Um, it's 100 feet deep. It's called Jacob's Well. And when they get there, after six miles of hard hike, I mean, Jesus is determined. He's going to get to this spot because there's somebody who needs his ministry. There's somebody who needs to be on the receiving end of his mission. He just collapses. He exhausts himself to get to this one person that he wants to help. Now, the guys, these young guys, they're starving now. And so normally they would just send a couple of guys maybe into town to get some food, but this is Samaria. So all 12 of them head to town. They may have to pay twice what anybody else has to pay because they're Jewish here in this town, but they go to get some food. And Jesus waits by the well. As he recovers from the hike, he looks up and he sees a figure in the distance approaching him kind of through the shimmering heat. It's noon of the noonday sun. And she sees it's a dead woman walking. And when it comes to the attributes of a dead, passionless, purposeless life, she's got it all and more. I mean, beyond boredom. And, I mean, she's got the emptiness. She's got the anxiety. She hates her life. She hates the people in her life. She hates what her life has become. She hates walking and working. I mean, she's carrying this huge water jar because it's the water that gets in the jar got to provide for her drinking water, her bathing water, to wash her dishes. So every day at noon, and this is not when women went to the well. Women went to the well in the early part of the day at sunrise when the day is cool and pleasant and the women would laugh and gossip and sing but if she went, if this woman went, when those women went, she would be the butt of every dirty joke. Now, I'm saying dirty because these women thought she, this woman, she, they thought she was a town whore. I mean, even the children would pick up sticks and rocks and clods of manure and throw them at her. She would be the target of every cruel, unkind word. So she goes at noon hottest part of the day, carrying the water jar, cursing herself, cursing those other women, cursing her life. Now, any self-respecting Jewish man, if he sees a woman coming, he gets as far as possible from that woman. It was wrong. It was, it was wrong to speak to a woman in public. They were just a notch above a Samaritan, and this woman is a Samaritan woman. But Jesus, it's amazing. She must see him as he sees her. She must anticipate that he's gonna fly away from that well as soon as he notices her. But when they get up close enough to interact with each other, he makes a very polite, respectful, 
simple request. Jesus says this. Jesus asks her, would you please give me a drink of water? And she gets all snotty with him. You? You are a Jew? I'm a Samaritan woman? How can you ask me for a drink of water? I mean, since Samaritan and Jews won't have anything to do with each other. Jesus said, you don't know what God wants to give you. And I hope you sense him sign that declaration over your soul today. He's brought you here. It's not on your radar what God wants to give you. But maybe it is a healing for yourself or a family member. Maybe it is a strong lift of love in your life. Maybe it is the resolution of a conflict with your kids or, or, or maybe it is a renewal in your marriage. I don't know. I could go on and on and on. Maybe it's recovery from addiction. I just know this, that God wants to give you life and that life everlasting. You don't even know what God wants to give you, Jesus said. And you don't know who's asking you for a drink or you'd ask me for water that gives life. He's talking about his spirit and everything contained in his spirit. You drink my spirit and you're, you're going to be on the receiving end. You're going to consume joy. You're going to consume peace. You're going to consume hope. You're going to consume love. If you only knew who you were asking, you'd ask me for the water of life. And this woman, she, she, she is still, you know, just kind of up in his face. Who do you think you are? You don't have a rope. Look at you. You don't have a bucket. How are you going to get this special water? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered, well, hey, everyone who drinks this well water will get thirsty again. But no one, no one, no one, not you or anybody, no one who drinks the water I give will ever thirst again. The water I give will become in that person. Boop. Flowing, a flowing fountain that gives eternal life. You see, it, it, this, it, this is not a one and done. When you get the joy of the Lord, when you get the hope of God, when you get the love of Jesus, when you get the passion of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus, it has sustaining strength. It carries you through this life and into all eternity. That gives eternal life. And the woman replied, now, she, she drops the facade of her, of her anger. She drops the, the facade of her insecurity. She I mean, those women who come in the morning who, who think she's a, a, a promiscuous person, she knows what they think, but she knows the truth that she's just broken on the inside. That she's barren. That she suffers the pain of infertility. And so, she's, man, she's desperate now. She is super vulnerable. Jesus, he says, sir, now she matches his respect, his politeness. Sir, please give me a drink of that water. And then I won't get thirsty. I won't have to come back to this well again. Jesus wants to do more than quench her thirst. Even for a better life. He wants to offer her himself. So he says to her, okay, go and bring your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you've just told me the truth. You have been married and divorced five 
times. And the man with whom you live right now will share his bed but won't give you his name. You see, in that culture, a woman could not divorce a man for anything. But a man could divorce a woman over nothing. This woman, guy falls in love with her. Man, she loves him. She makes a great meal, meal after meal, keeps the house nice and clean. But when he figures out that she can't get pregnant, that she is barren, that something is broken in her, he kicks her out. He throws her in the street, throws all her stuff in the street. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. That's it. If you can't produce for me, if you can't give me a child, if you can't give me what I want, I don't want you. Can you imagine how that feels? How dehumanizing? That happened to that woman five times. And now she's living with a guy who doesn't care about kids or marriage or family or whatever. He just wants her in his bed. Now, this is not a gotcha moment by Jesus. I think the compassion of Jesus has driven him from before sunup, driven him on a six-hour hard hike so that he could position his, his heart at a well to have a head-on collision with a hurting woman. He just kind of peels back the insecurity and the pain, just like he does in you, just like he does in me. And her response is, oh my gosh, you must be a, a prophet of God or something. But you know what? One day, I believe, the Christ is coming. And when he gets here, he's gonna fix everything wrong with me. He's gonna fix everything broken in this world. I think Jesus is fighting back the tears. I think his compassion has come to the surface. That's his defining trademark is his compassion. The woman says, you are a prophet. Here's what Jesus says. I am he. I am the Christ. I'm not a prophet. I'm God. I am he, the king, the Christ, the anointed one. I'm with you right now. I'm speaking to you right now. And when Jesus says those words, I mean, he's peeled back layer after layer of pain and insecurity and hurt and damage that's been done to her and damage that she did to herself. And he gets into the core of her like he wants to get to the core of me and get to the core of you. But when those words hit the core of her, I am God, I'm here with you. I'm speaking life into you. Something goes off in her. Something is touched. You, you know what I'm talking about because it's happened to you in this room. Men, women, young, old, you start crying. Here, that's God touching you. People watching online happened to me this morning. I was watching our Saturday night service as I ate my breakfast and I'm blubbering in my cream of wheat because God was touching me. That's what happens to this woman. And, and every time God speaks to us, every time God touches us, every time the compassion of God is made available to us, it happens so that we would respond, so that we would do. He takes the initiative of reaching out. He takes the initiative of, uh, of getting into our presence. He takes initiative for the head-on, heart-to-heart collision. But then he, he calls us to act. And that's what happens with this woman. 
The, the woman left her water pot beside the well. She forgets all about what she was doing there. That happens to me when I go into a different room at home. But I'm old. No, man, she now, it is the new passion of Jesus. This woman who could not give birth is on the border of being born again. She is filled with the passion and the real purpose of Jesus. Because look what happens. The woman left the water jaw beside the well and went back to the village. People there know she's got a past. The rumor, the gossip has spread everywhere. People talk about her every time she walks down the street. They don't know the truth. But their gossip is just as ugly. She goes back to the village. She tells everyone. She didn't give a rip about what they think or what they said. She tells everyone, come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. That's the heartbeat of this church. That's the purpose of Jesus for me, that I say to my friends, my neighbors, my family members, come and see Jesus. Come to Central. Just see what it's like. Come to my church. Just see what it's like. This woman has no qualifications. She's not going to solve any world problems. She doesn't have the answer to any hard issue in life. All she's got is her story. Hey, I just met with Christ. Come and see. Come and see. Could I have that again, please? Come and see. Come and see a man who told me all, all the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think? I mean, could it be that he is the Christ and they all went out to see for themselves? You know, that's been happening here. This is wild. Every weekend for 10 weekends in a row, people have been surrendering their lives to Jesus and sharing with him fully in his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism. Yeah, I mean, it happened again last night. I didn't see it coming. But a young woman came to Christ. It happened in the last service. A husband and wife came to Christ. Can you, what's going on here? God is going on here. Jesus, a heart full of compassion, keeps showing up here weekend after weekend and in our lives, Monday through Friday, at our work, in our homes, in our relationships, and people keep surrendering their lives to him. Maybe today. Is your day. Um, or if you've already been immersed, are you willing to say, come and see? I, I think you've got it in you. I think I've got it in you to say to our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, come and see. Come to Central. Just check it out. Just come and see. That, that's where it starts. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to do that, we want to help you. I've, I've got these conversation packs. On the inside, on the outside, is a, uh, a bracelet that says Jesus changes everything. And so uh, you can wear that. It may provoke a conversation, but most importantly, it's going to remind you how he changes everything at the soul level in your life, your passion, your 
purpose, but inside, held together by the uh, bracelet, all these come and see cards. And, and um, well, you can't see this, but you watch it on the video. Today we're looking at the conversation packs from Every Home for Christ. First thing you'll notice is the silicone band. This band holds the kit together, but also makes a great bracelet to remind us to share the truth and love of Jesus with others. When you remove the band to open the pack, we see encouragement to share the good news of Jesus. There's even a large QR code that goes to the digital training guide. Simply scan the QR code with your phone and you'll access a free digital training guide complete with scripture, encouragement, and reflection questions. You'll also see training videos, testimonies, and more. It's all designed to help you overcome the obstacles that are preventing you from telling others about Jesus. Next, you'll find a variety of engager cards designed to help you engage in spiritual conversations with those around you. Each colorful card has an encouraging message and a website so individuals can learn about their next steps in following Jesus. There are 60 cards in each pack, 10 for your closest neighbors and an additional 50 cards so you can engage in one spiritual conversation every week. Then there's a QR code you could scan to add your name to the over 90,000 other Christians worldwide who are also joining in Jesus's mission of sharing in his truth and love. Scan this code and you will receive encouragement, testimonies, and other free valuable resources to help you as you participate in Jesus's mission. Together, we can take the gospel to everyone, everywhere. So, if you're willing to say, come and see, and you're willing to, for the sake of your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, give them a, give them a come and see card. These are available at the exits as you leave. Just grab them, pray over them, wear the bracelet, and look for opportunities to say, come and see. Well, here's what happened in the woman's town at the climax of the story. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to Jesus because of the woman's witness. Just said, come and see. And they asked him, Jesus, to stay on. And so Jesus stayed for two more days. And a lot more people entrusted their lives to him. And when you entrust your life to Jesus, I mean fully, then that's when he fills you with the passion and his purpose. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. I'm going to pray over you. Pray the goodness of God down on you. Um, but as I have for the last 10 weeks, I'm going to invite you. If, uh, if you today is your day to surrender fully to Jesus like you never have before, and be joined with him in the beauty and power of baptism, being buried in his death, being raised up in his new life. I'm going to invite you to come to the front. I'll meet you right down here. But first, would you pray with me, please? Our Father and our God, would you anoint these come and see invitational cards? Would you anoint the bracelets? We got us in it. We got it in us, Lord, to say, come and see. Lord, we are looking for your passion, your real passion in our lives, your real purpose. Lord, make yourself real to everyone watching online or in this room. Call them to yourself. Let your goodness touch them profoundly, Lord. Speak to them. Shower them with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired Podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.